Well, welcome back. It's good to have you all here. Um, it's a little bit of a attenuated crowd, um, I imagine, as we hopefully slowly return back to normal after this uh, vaccine takes hold and uh, we're able to distribute it, that campus will start to get alive again. But it's good to see this holy remnant, this faithful few uh, here today with us. And uh, know that I've been praying for you all during break. I hope you had a good break and that this semester is full of blessings and this new year is full of, uh, of God's presence and blessing among us. And it's a fitting that we celebrate today the baptism of Jesus. It's the last day of the Christmas season and um, the week after Epiphany, the first Epiphany being the star uh, that guided the wise men from the east to Bethlehem um, and was kind of a, a revelation for Mary and Joseph, uh, first of all, to see this amazing abundance that that God had guided these men from so far with such treasures uh, was a sign of, of the Christ child's identity, his dignity, his, his calling, who he was, not just um, the king of David, not just a successor to an earthly king, but the heavenly king himself, the son of God. And 30 years later, that baby, grown up, after living his hidden years as a carpenter, is now publicly proclaimed the Son of God by the Father himself at his baptism, which is the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. And if it weren't for the fact that it actually happened, it would be so odd that, that a writer would put this in the story, that Jesus himself needed to be baptized. Even in this Markan account, it's so brief and kind of to the point. But the other synoptic gospels have John protesting, saying, you should be baptizing me. I shouldn't be baptizing you. And Jesus says this very arcane kind of um, mysterious phrase, for now it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. What is he talking about? That, I mean, the church has has meditated and and contemplated this mystery for a couple thousand years. Um, One of the answers the church fathers came up with was that um, Jesus did not, unlike us, we need to be made holy, consecrated by the waters of baptism. Unlike um, us, Jesus did not need to be made holy by the waters It's the waters that needed to be made holy by him. In other words, by coming down into the waters of baptism, bringing his divinity into these waters that he consecrates. Now we who join him there in baptism, the sacrament, we are made holy like him. There's also the fact that um, at the time and even today, it's it's somewhat uh, agreed upon that this place that Jesus is baptized, the Jordan Valley, near the Dead Sea, it's a place that's actually below sea level, which is why the Dead Sea is dead. It doesn't flow anywhere. It's like the lowest place on earth, other than like the San Mariana Trench or something in the ocean. But on land, it's the lowest place Jesus could go, which is kind of symbolic of of the whole descent in the incarnation of the Son of God to our place. And he will, of course, descend even lower into death and finally hell, to bring back the last possible soul to, so that there is nowhere in heaven or on earth where God is not, where, where we can be totally, finally alienated from him. He will always give us this invitation, this chance to join him, um, to return back to the Father from whom we came. And so that, in, in a way, my friends, is the whole mystery of Christianity, that God took our place so that we could occupy his place, that the Son came to earth so we could become sons and go with him to heaven, to sit at the right hand of the Father, which is um, what we are called to, not just when we get to heaven, but here on earth, we're enfolded in that mystery. Um, I was reading this week this uh, quote from 
Dom Guirand. He's a, a Carthusian monk. He's passed away, but uh, lived in, in France and was a Carthusian monk. And the Carthusians are known for their austerity. They live in total silence most of the year. They hardly ever talk. They just pray and work. And these meditations that, that uh, Dom Guirand writes come from this soil of silence that he, he's lived in this um, place of communion with God, not in activity, but in receptivity. And I, I read this this week, and it just kind of struck me as it's so practical. It might sound like something high and mysterious and ethereal, spiritual, but our belief in this mystery, that we are in Jesus because of our baptism, is so practical. He says this, Between the development of prayer and the elevation of souls, there exists an assured connection, universally admitted, which is essential. In being raised up, the soul arrives at regions untouched by the agitation of transitory things. All movement ceases or grows less. The passions are calmed, the noise of the world, its cares, even our thoughts fade into the distance. And our attention is concentrated on him alone who is silence, repose, and the God of peace. We feel invaded by calm, and as it were clothed in the, in the divine immutability, which seems to communicate itself to our being. This is where prayer flourishes, that prayer which is a devout upsurge of love, which draws us toward God, who is unceasingly inclined toward us. His spirit enfolds us, penetrates us, descends into our depths, and says, My son. Then, returning from the depths of our being, which he turns back to its source, he answers for us, Father. There is no greater or more profound moment, no higher activity possible. This cloud from heaven that comes over Jesus at his baptism, the voice of the Father, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. It's a signal to us to see who Jesus really is, but it's also the voice speaking to his Son in us, the church, the members of his body, those who have joined him in the death of baptism to rise again out of the waters, to have the Holy Spirit descend on us, enliven us, to become part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there was a priest at a, that I knew, Father John Horn, he was a spiritual director of mine, he used to always say, the Trinity is laboring to love you. That was like his catchphrase. Whenever you were distracted or in desolation or trying to figure out what was the next right thing to do, he would say, the Trinity is laboring to love you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the communion of persons in love, which is the origin of everything that exists, the most powerful thing imaginable, is focusing his whole love on you. And prayer, he said, was just letting God love you. Which maybe sounds corny or a little sentimental, but it's, it's a deep and profound mystery that God doesn't need anything from us. We may have failed him, we may have betrayed him, we may have fallen into sin and alienated ourselves from him, but he's come to us in Jesus and drawn us back to himself so that at every moment, no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, he never stops pouring out himself for us. This is the mystery of our baptism, that we are now in Jesus. So when the Father looks at you, he sees his Son. That's what Dom Guirand is saying, that the, the Holy Spirit comes into us and, and, and says, my son, and then for us responds, father, and draws us into this mystery. And also why, if we are torn apart, torn away from that communion, that peace, that calm that he's talking about by distractions, worries, too much screen time, even our own sin, 
that we can always go to confession, which is a second baptism, to be, to be immersed once again in those waters, to be totally made clean again so that we can address him unadulterated, totally transparent to, to grace. So I'll finish with this. Maybe one New Year's resolution. I know this is one for me. You know, it's tempting to, to in, the be, in the beginning of a new year, like, try to be more achievement-oriented. We, we make our goals, which are all, all good. Grace builds on nature. We should have goals and try to develop ourselves. But if we're addicted to activity or, or to achievement or distraction, it makes this kind of prayer more complicated than it needs to be. One of the reasons it's hard is because it's so easy and so simple. You can do it literally anywhere to let God enfold you in his love. You could do it in line. You could do it in lulls during conversations. You could do it in the car. You can do it before bed or right when you wake up. To make time, there's so many excuses, like I don't have time to pray or I don't know how to pray. If it's simply letting God love you, letting God address you, letting all of the illusions that what you do or have to do somehow has anything to do with how God feels about you, to just let that melt away and let the love be the first thing and then let that love motivate you to do great things for God and to, to, to accomplish his mission. But the first thing is that, to, to go into the waters of baptism, to meet Jesus in the lowest place where he's met us in our sin, in our brokenness, in our death, to make us alive again um, and to acknowledge this mystery that God never stops loving us. And because of our baptism, he's assured us he will never leave us.